What's up, everybody? It's IBS Yeezus coming at you guys live um, with an IBS After Dark. You're going to have to excuse me, man. I was scrambling a little bit, had some technical difficulties out here. Um, but tonight's episode, we're going to talk about the uh, NFL playoffs. Um, we'll start with the coaching situation going on in the league. And then uh, if I have time, cover some random topics, uh, have callers as well. Um, I'm looking for some callers. Um, to get a discussion. So if you're listening, the number to call is 646-668-2510. Anybody can call in. It doesn't matter. Um, but I'll just go ahead and get it started. Um, so there's a lot of firings going on in the NFL, which is typical this time of year. You know, people at the end of the season, they don't meet expectations and they get fired. Um, I'll start with, to me, was probably the most obvious firing, which is um, actually my team, Jim Tom Sula of the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, the 49ers finished 5-11. and 11. Um, They were one of the worst offense and defensive teams in the league. Uh, they're just pretty much a, a poor performance by the staff and the players. Um, at the beginning of the season, I was a little optimistic. I was probably overly optimistic. Um, to some point. I still don't feel like the team is a five-win team. I still feel like they should have been as good as eight and eight. Um, that was even with Colin Kaepernick playing as bad as he did. Uh, we just schematically just had a, a poor showing, man. Like, the staff was bad. The preparation was bad. Um, players kind of hinted to it throughout the season in interviews here and there. Uh, some of the things that they were saying, they were a little frustrated. I just think, ultimately, uh, it didn't go as as anybody planned. I don't think anybody thought that the people would be so incompetent. And I know some people were like, "Oh, look at this interview." You know, you you just can't go off of that. I just honestly thought that the man would understand that. You know, there needs to be some consistency in your offensive line, or you just can't play a straight cover two with with no pressure up front. <laughs> like I just thought people would know these things. Like they're they're basic elements of of football. And you're at the highest level in the NFL, and it, and to me it's just ridiculous that you can't figure that out. But uh, he's gone. Uh, he had a three-year contract. Uh, they bought him out at 14 million, which I think was just the total of his uh, contract in general. And word on the street is he's getting phone calls. He is a good defensive line coach, um, and he and he understands that position, so it doesn't surprise me that um that he's getting calls. I would expect to see him on somebody's staff uh, within the next month or two uh, working with people. And then um, I don't expect him to be anything like a defensive coordinator or, or get another head coaching gig for probably another decade probably. Uh, he, he needs to learn the ins and outs of the head coaching position. And uh, I was critical of him uh, towards the middle of the season, saying that he, he kind of gave me the vibe of a, of a little league coach. Just kind of wants to say the right things, make everybody feel comfortable. But it's the NFL, man. You you can't do that in the NFL. Feelings have to be hurt. Uh, you're dealing with a lot of egos. Guys have to be put in place. I'll give you a prime example. Uh, Ahmad Brooks has been in and out on the bench for the last three years, and, and he was one of the guys that he coached. I'm like, stop pampering this man and tell him the truth. You're not getting the job done. You need to sit. So um, he's gone, and the 49ers were probably well off without him. 
I know some people wanted Trent out the door. Um, I personally like Trent. Uh, his his drafts have been hit or miss in the first and second rounds, but he's been really solid uh, in the middle rounds. There's still some some stipulations on whether or not he's the reason why we kept drafting tight ends, but um, I, I will say that his uh, defensive drafts have been pretty good. Uh, we had uh, two rookies grade out pretty well this year, Tart and um, and Narek, um Armstead. They did good. Uh, some of the guys he picked up in the um, restricted uh, draft or supplemental draft, restricted free agents as well, um, they, they produced. Um, I mean, you can look at the running backs he picked up towards the end of the season when, when High got hurt, and they did well. Um, I hate to give him credit for signing Blaine Gabbard, but, I mean, at least Blaine came in and, took some snaps and, and moved the ball a little bit. So I don't necessarily think he's the root of the problem, um, but he's going to stay and the coaching search begins and the 49ers start all over, hopefully not for too long. Um, speaking as a fan right there, hopefully not too long. Uh, but one surprise firing um, this offseason was uh, Lovey Smith. And Lovey Smith, I thought, had a great year in Tampa considering uh, what he was working with. I mean, Tampa Bay hasn't been good for, for a long time. As a matter of fact, uh, since 2008, Tampa Bay has had three coaches hired, and none of them have left with an overall winning record. So it's no surprise that uh, Lovey was 8 for 24 in his two seasons there. But if you look at the fact that he was 6 and 10 this year, that's that's a pretty huge jump. Uh, 6 and 10 with a rookie, with a rookie quarterback, and uh, his main offensive weapon, Outside of Mike Evans with Winston Jackson, he he was getting hurt. Uh, Doug Martin had a, a resurgent performance this season. He rushed for almost 1,400 yards, uh, led the league uh, in 20-plus yard carries. So, um, I mean, he did he did pretty good. I, I thought with the weapons that he had, everything was working out pretty well. So it kind of surprised me. But you learn in the NFL some, some of the – Bad franchises are bad because they don't have any patience. And uh, the, the Bucks are pretty much along the lines of the uh, Jaguars when it comes to that situation. Like, they just don't give things time to develop, and they go about it the wrong way. Um, I know some people are concerned about uh, James Winston and his development. I don't think it really matters. Um, I think from what I was reading in some of the reports, I think they have an offensive coordinator or somebody within the staff that um, – they wanted to put in that position to be a head coach anyway. So um, I guess it just depends on whether or not you like Lovey Smith, if you think he was done wrong. But like I said, uh, if you break it down, there are some key elements as to why they didn't want Lovey Smith back. Uh, the Buccaneers, for the most part, statistically, were a top 10 offense and a top 10 defense. The issues that they had is, is just finishing drives and stopping drives. They ranked uh, 20th in points scored, and then they ranked 26th in red zone defense. So when you can't score and you can't stop people from scoring, it doesn't matter if you're putting up 500 yards a game. The results are still going to be in the loss column. And also, Lovey lost, uh, let's see, five of his last six games he lost. So it didn't end that well either. So if he's 6-10 and 10 and he lost five of the last six games, you, you do the math. So it wasn't a good look. So... I guess when you break it down like that, it's, it's, it's a justifiable firing. See, we got our first caller here. 
Who am I talking to? It's Corey, man. What's up, man? Chilling, man. What's going on? Man, just uh, running through the coach firings. Um, what do you, what do you think about Lovey Smith, man? You think they did Lovey Smith wrong? I mean, of course they did him dirty, but you can't. I guess you can't argue with the logic if they're hiring a bright young assistant who's a hotter name in the coaching circles and the coach that's currently employed. So, yeah, they did him a little dirty, but, I mean, you definitely can understand the logic and progression if you got to pick one. I mean, you can understand that. But, yeah, you got to give somebody more than two years with, with what he had on that offense to work with. So, man, I get it. But, I mean, it's kind of dirty, but it's business. It's not unjustified based on his record. Yeah, I um, I didn't, I didn't think it was like it took me by surprise. And then when I started reading about it and looking into things, I was like, oh well, you know, these are the things that I I fussed about when I when I talk about coaches and and, and getting uh, production out of your players. Like I said before, you uh, called in, they were towards the bottom in in red zone offense and red zone defense. But yet they had a top five and top ten def- uh, top ten uh, offense and defense. So when you when you look at that in 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 the whole, you know, you you talk about people who just look at stats. Well, this is a situation where numbers actually don't tell the whole truth. Because if I just told you, man, they had a top five or a top ten offense and defense, you would be like, they're crazy for frying this guy. But then when I tell you that they couldn't stop anybody from scoring and they couldn't score. Then you look at it and you're like, well, he didn't get the job done. Yeah, and I think that's spot on. To be honest with you, I mean, I, it, it's hard to, it's hard when you when you have back to back five six win seasons to say it's unjustified. Uh, but yeah, I think there were some coaching errors for sure. I mean, they do have talent. Some of it's old talent. You can't really expect them to gel from a free agency standpoint. And once their rookie quarterback kind of got his his legs from under him, I mean, I think they were playing pretty much 500 ball um, after the first four or five weeks or so. So, eh, it's a, it's a tough way to go out. It seems like Lubby's somehow um, attracts that type of attention for some reason. He's just kind of a a good coach that, that's a placeholder, and, and everyone, I think, knows he can't get you to the next level, so no one's that willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. Uh where do you think Lovey goes from here? That's tough, man. I, I can't see him getting another head coaching job right off the brick. I mean, the Chicago thing was was a little silly. I mean, he I think everyone knew, hey, this guy did a good job with the, what he had there. And, and, and I think it shows that since they haven't been nearly as good since. Um, I don't know, man. I don't think he – I don't. It's hard to get a go back to being a coordinator after you have a really successful stint than a decent stint. I'm not sure if he has any interest in the college game, but I I definitely could see that being a fit for his kind of his style, um, his demeanor. Uh, I can't envision him being a um, a coordinator though. He he might just fade to black like the Denny Greens of the world. Yeah, I um I joked about uh, there being tears. The black coaches, so when they get fired, I was like, tier one guys go be coordinators, tier two guys become position coaches. So I can't see him going down to like a tier two spot coaching linebackers or something like that. Um, like you said, maybe college is a good look for him because there there are some job openings 
in some of the uh, smaller universities, uh, like the ones that I used to watch on Wednesdays and Thursdays, the Mountain West and stuff like that. There, there are opportunities there. So, if he's if he's got the passion for it, he probably would be good there. Yeah, for sure. Um, let me get this other caller in. We're gonna I'm gonna keep you on because we're gonna talk about some other coaches as well. Uh, eight zero four eight seven eight. You're on IBS After Dark. Who am I speaking with? Uh, it's Kali, man. What's going on? Oh, what's up, Kali? You, you sound so much more optimistic today, man. You sound like you're in better spirits after we got that uh, Dolphins talk off. <laughs> I just got done watching the uh, town hall meeting with the president. I'm just chilling at the yeah. house, man. Okay. Uh, good. So I'm I'm rolling into uh, the coaching issues and stuff that we had this season and some of the firings. Uh, my next guy up, I'll start with you, um, is uh, Coughlin with the New York Giants. When you mm-hmm. when you look at this situation, do you do you think he was fired or did he resign? Is there like a gray area here? Are you confused like I am? I'm I'm not sure how he went out. Did he go out on his terms? Did they push him out? Uh, what's your thoughts on uh, Coughlin? At, at first, I think it was made to seem. I kind of felt like he went out on his own terms, and then he kind of read some stuff and saw a couple of videos and uh makes me think that he was probably forced to resign or asked to resign. And um I think the team wanted to it almost seemed like the team ownership wanted to move on but without making him look like a ja- a jackass basically. <laughs> I don't know. You know, you know what I'm saying like they didn't w- the guy is a Super Bowl winning co- head coach. So they didn't want him to look like a loser, but at the same time, I think they feel like it's time to get some new, some new life in New York. So I, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm confused like you are, basically. Uh, I think Corey, personally, I'm probably gonna let him ride with, uh, with Eli. Okay, <laughs> Corey, what are your thoughts um, on Coughlin? Uh, that nickel got that nickel got fired, bro. <laughs> you can call it what you want, but he got fired. Um, I I I mean I don't obviously you can't say you fired Tom Coughlin. I think he probably would have been happy with trying to give it one more run with all that cap room and maybe having some some um, say in who gets actually picked um, with some of that cap room. But, yeah, he got fired. I mean, there's just no way they could possibly bring that man back for another year. They haven't made the playoffs four straight years in a division where it's taking eight, nine wins to win the, to get there with a quarterback that's their quote-unquote franchise guy who has two rings. Like, you just have to move on at some point, especially with a guy like him who's a disciplinarian, kind of no-nonsense type of guy. At some point, he just starts falling on deaf ears. You can even see – like, they're making dumb mistakes, penalties. Like, for a coach that's supposed to not be a player's coach and supposed to be strict and kind of by the book and all the things you think about when you think about a disciplined coach, you watch that team this year, and, I mean, that's just not a Tom Coughlin coach football team. It's not what his M.O. is. It's not what they've been known for, kind of gunning out wins and making clutch plays, like being disciplined, not getting too many penalties. Like, that's – that's just not a Tom Coughlin coach team. So I think he clearly lost the team. He had to go. I think everyone knew he had to go. 
he probably knew he had to go, but if he had his choice, I don't think he would have went. Well, you know, it's interesting because uh, Eli is on record as saying that um, that the players failed Coughlin, that Coughlin didn't fail the, the organization. Um, we can start with Kali. Kali, do you agree with that? Um, I can tell you what, I kind of agree with what Corey just said for the most part. It makes a lot of sense. I, uh, um, I think, I honestly think he lost the team. I mean, I don't, I don't think you could say Coughlin failed the organization. Um, Mm -hmm. but I think, uh, I think like Corey was saying, he, I mean, a lot of dumb mistakes and stuff like that. I think he just lost the team. So, but at the same time, you know, I think his, the ship has sailed, you know? I mean, I think it's 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 over. It, it was just over as far as that. But I don't think you could say he failed the organization. But uh, I don't think it's a uh, – I don't really think that this is a Tom Coughlin-style league anymore. That That is – I don't know. It almost seems like that style coaching is kind of gone, if you know what I'm saying. Like mm-hmm. – Times are times are changing in the league. Like you gotta gotta you kind of gotta balance. You can't be that guy. But uh, I I don't think you could say he failed the organization. Yeah, you see that sometimes with uh, coaches. Um, it, it's almost like you know they either hang around too long or or they get pushed out. So it was definitely a, a, a odd scene, you know, because Coughlin has been the coach of the Giants. For for uh, the majority of our adult lives, so kind of weird to to. Or if he hasn't been, it just seems like he's been the Giants' coach forever. So it's just weird to see him just walk off. And you, you could tell by the, I guess the the diss of the handshake uh, to the owner that he wasn't too happy about it. So um, there's reports that he might possibly uh, still be interested in coaching. So um, I'll ask the same question I asked about uh, Lovey Smith when we start with Corey. Uh, where does Coughlin go from here if he if he's interested in coaching? Uh, there just aren't any ready-made jobs. Like where does he go in and they can compete for uh, a Super Bowl? Like maybe if if um, if they if there was an opening in San Diego, I might, or out soon to be LA, I could see it, but I don't see somewhere where there it's going to be a year project. And I mean, not to be ageist or nothing, but my man ain't got more than two, three left in him regardless. So <laughs> I don't really see where he really fits in anywhere. I maybe Philly, um, but I can't imagine that's the direction they want to go either. So, um, I, I just don't see a, a tailor-made situation for him would be my big issue. So the booth, in other words. <laughs> the booth. Uh, I don't think Austin is a booth guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That too. <laughs> Can you see him anywhere else, uh, Kali? No, I mean, I don't even see him in Philly. I think Philly's a bit more of a mess than people are leading their own to be. At all the mm-hmm. teams, I think the new, you know, I don't know. I, Chip, I don't know. I don't think Philly's as close as what people are leading on to be. But, yeah, like I, I, like uh, Corey said, he kind of touched on uh, there's no ready-made teams. I mean, I mean, 
they're all a mess. All the teams that are looking for coaches are a mess. You know, except for New York. And really, how long is Eli going to play? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, and and that's something that we'll we'll probably revisit as well, or or is going to come up in in the next few uh, weeks. Uh, which which of these teams that the coaches are leaving? The Buccaneers, Forty Niners, uh, Giants, Eagles. Um, which of these teams are are the best situation for an incoming coach? Uh, Kylie, I'm going to put you on hold, and I'm going to put Corey on hold. If you guys want to hang out. Um, I'll bring you back in. I'm gonna turn over and uh get Ronnie in here so he can do his uh forty nine er bashing. Nice. Ronnie. Is that you? I, I got hey, you. Can you hear me all right? Yeah, I can hear you. <laughs> you don't have to yell. <laughs> yeah, I called in through Skype. This is the first time I was called in through Skype, so I was just checking. Oh, oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, it's it's pretty clear too. So um, I just talked about Lovey. I talked about Tom Sula. Luckily, I covered that before you got on. Um, and we just talked about uh Coffin. So you're just in time for the Chip Kelly discussion. Um, Chip Kelly was fired. Was it justified? Um, I'm I have a pretty strong stance about coach firings. I think you're just rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic most of the time because you've got to start over. What they're doing is they're letting these guys build a house, and they're saying, no, we want another team to come on and finish it up. Or they're saying, oh, no, we want a different kind of house. But So the thing that they're doing is they're cutting the people off at the legs. So they're letting them start, but they're not letting them finish. And you got to have at least four or five years. Now, with Chip, it's more complicated because he was alienating the players. But these coaches are are just, they, they, they're not very flexible. And I don't think the owners are asking to be flexible. They need to be more flexible and change. So Chip and what those guys are saying about Tom Coughlin, it used to be true, but Tom Coughlin became more flexible and loosened up as far as being the disciplinarian that he used to be. So he did adjust with the times, but I think he... Um, he just got old and the game passed it by. But, he, but you have to be able to adjust schematically to some degree personality-wise. So my answer is that I think that, that these coaches and owners and general managers should work with them to just solve the problems instead of just firing them. Yeah, it, it seems like some people are are a little impatient, and I talked about that with the Bucks. They've had three coaches since 2008, and, and none of them have had an overall winning record. Uh, clearly, the 49ers don't have any patience. They fired uh, Harbaugh within three to four years, and they fired uh, Tom Sula within a year. Um, and and stuff like that, just to me, I called it Jaguarism. <laughs> like, you know, you don't have any patience, and you end up being the worst team in the league. Or in the case of the Cleveland Browns, you, you end up in, in purgatory. And you can never get out of that hump. So there has to be some consistency uh, going forward. Do you think that'll play a part in, in anybody that's hired next? Will they look at a team like the 49ers oh. who who've been through so many coaches in a short period of time, or the Bucks who've been in a similar situation? Would that make a job like the the Giants, who seem to be more uh, more of a um, consistent um, ownership? 
Yeah, would that make that a more attractive job? That that is why a lot of people want the Giants and in coaching circles, scouting circles, NFL player personal development, uh, personnel development uh, circles. That's like a dream job for a lot of people because of the stability of the Mayor family. But I, I don't think overall it will change. I, I don't like the way the Niners are just objectively. I don't bash when I'm actually on the podcast or whatever. I like to troll y'all or whatever. But when I'm my objective opinion, the way things have been run are very chaotic lately with the 49ers. So I don't know if they'll be able to have that kind of stability of a coach. And they just had a coach that was pretty darn good. And, again, they could – and it's not all Balky's fault or York's fault. Part of it's Harbaugh's fault. But it's just being able to get along. It's being able to manage the egos even when you do win. That prevents mm-hmm. it, and it's always been like that. Jimmy and Jerry had that problem. I mean, you, you, yeah. And uh, I think that's one of the things that hurts uh, Chip Kelly. Uh, Chip Kelly didn't. He doesn't come off in the media as the type of guy that seems to have a grip of of when he's wrong. And, and I feel like the Eagles situation. You look at it, they gave him full control of the roster. He let go of um, whether whether people think they're productive or not. Their their household names. And McCoy, Macklin, and Deshaun Jackson, uh, when you're talking about uh, production, they, they've they all three have been extremely productive at some point for the Eagles, and he just kind of let them go. Like, uh, like he, didn't, he didn't attempt to salvage the relationship with the players who were star players, and he didn't seem to want to, um, to necessarily uh, work with them. And, and that, to me, is an issue, and I think that's something that comes up uh, – in owners' uh, minds as well, like you want your coach to be able to to be some something of a people person. You don't want you don't want constant uh, issues. So, um, where does Chip Kelly go from here in your mind? What, what's next for Chip? Oh, it seems like anywhere he wants. He's been uh, connected with San Francisco. I think as a coach only. But I will make the point about the coach firing. Like, it's okay for a coach to grow. And they don't let him do that. So I look at Lovey's first year, and he brought a lot of players for his own from his old school that were familiar with Tampa too. And they spent a lot of money in free agency. That's what a lot of people don't realize about that first year. And they, they it wasn't good, but you learn from that, and they get better. And then Chip, he made some big mistakes, but did he will he learn from that? Should the Eagles given him an opportunity to learn and adjust? That that's more what I'm looking for. But um, I don't know where Chip fits honestly. San Francisco doesn't seem like a good fit. Tennessee seems like a good fit. But you really haven't seen that much interest on either side from just a report that that's what they want to do. Um, a place like Miami seems like a good fit, but haven't heard as much traction uh, with that. But I think he would like a quarterback like Tannehill. So it looks like I, I would say Tennessee and uh, and Miami are the best fits for him. Tennessee and Miami. I I don't know if uh, Miami's going to keep uh, Tannehill. To be honest with you, so um, I, I don't. I think they're they're leaning towards Shanahan just because um, they want somebody that has been there, done that, with a little bit more veteran uh, leadership. But Chip Chip's an interesting character, and I think because of his name, um, he's going to be linked with a lot of stuff. But I've seen a lot of reports from uh, pro football. Um, and then, like, uh, NBC Sports USA Today, um, where it keeps constantly coming up that a lot of owners don't like 
don't like the guy as a person. They don't like his ego. And then apparently there's a report that would nobody what broke him. About him except for Riley Cooper. Only Riley Cooper yeah. liked him in the Eagles organization. Yeah. And apparently the rumor is is that he he pissed off the Eagles owner uh, during a Christmas party or something like that. <laughs> and that was the or the, the strong having the camels back or scaled back or something like. That. Yeah. I'm not even 100% sure if that's true. Um, obviously, I don't have the resources to verify it, but, I mean, stranger, stranger things have happened. So, um, Chip Kelly is going to be linked to everything um, under the sun. But I think um, what's also interesting is that we have coaches who are on the hot seat already, and the season hasn't even started next year. And one of those guys is uh, Rex Ryan. I don't know if you uh, – heard this reports coming out of Buffalo. The owner pretty much told them and the GM that their uh, jobs are on the line next year. Do you, do you agree with that approach? No. Again, it's kind of the same thing. I have this philosophy about stability and continuity. And in the end of the day, everybody's not going to win. So you, is it, you're getting the most out of your uh, players. Now, that being said, that this year was probably one of the worst coaching jobs I've seen Rex do. Because there were times when the Jets were depleted that he made them competitive. This team had talent everywhere, and the daggone offense ended up being better than the defense. And both were talented, but that's not what I would have expected. And Rex, uh, this is, again, this is someone who's so in love with his system that he couldn't adapt to the players he had. They were like a top five defense, and now they dropped to like bottom 15. Well, I think either they're just top 15 or 15 or 18. And is because he kept trying to do all this complex stuff when he just needed to do kiss, keep it simple, stupid. Do you um do you think it's unfair to a lot of these head coaches who don't have control of their rosters, um, that keep constantly coming under the hot seat? Do you do you think that that um that business model in the NFL is gonna ever get played out? Because I've I've been noticing there's um there seems to be conflict uh, in some of these coaches' uh, tenures with their general manager. In the, or, the, or the person who's in charge of the roster. But then you look at the Chip Kelly situation, and it's got to be a quite team. Work out. They, sorry, they've got to be a team. They've got to work in tandem. Which doesn't mean, it doesn't mean they always agree, but they've got to be able to voice their opinions and both of them come to decisions together. And mm-hmm. I think that happens. But general managers are held accountable too. Not as often as coaches are, but general Managers get hurt. And a lot of times, when you a new general manager comes in, then they get they want their own coach for that reason. Yeah, because uh, I think that's something that's also going to come up uh, in the next couple weeks or so. Because a lot of these coaches, like I said, they're linked with with general managers. Tom Fula, not so much. Um, but uh, specifically with Coughlin and the Giants, I saw um, there was a report. I didn't get to read it. Uh, all the way through, but the general manager for the for the Giants is awful. Like his draft picks have not panned out for it's dating back almost about five seasons. Yeah, they the Giants are old school. They do this like triumvirate thing where they have a personnel guy, a general manager, and the coach, and they keep them all very separate. And the general manager, and I had to look even more closer. I believe the general manager is more of like a like a cap guy as opposed to the personnel guys in charge of all the scouting. And so 
this may be falling on him when they may need to get rid of their personnel guy too, but the Giants kind of do it old school and they don't they won't give a coach control no matter what. They they believe in the way they've been doing it all, all these years. Yeah, um we're gonna switch to a segment I call um a team my team will win, my team won't win. Uh, it's not necessarily your team, but I'm gonna bring Corey and um bring Kali back and um I'm gonna give I'm gonna give each of you a side to pick uh based on the matchups that we have for the playoffs and then that'll end the show. So um Corey, why will the Houston Texans beat the Chiefs? Uh the Houston Texans beat the Chiefs uh, because they're more talented. I mean, um I think their defense has come along saw something crazy like they're average, they're allowing thirteen points per game um over their little winning streak over the, like the last six or seven games. Um uh, they get Hoyer back, um who obviously isn't good but he's better than Brandon Whedon. Um and I just think that this is a perfect matchup for Houston. I mean, they have a team that's gonna try to rely on a short passing and running game. Um when, quite frankly, I mean, you're not going to run on Houston, and you're surely not going to run on them with Ware um, and Chandrick West. So, I mean, I just think a home playoff game uh, with a team that plays the exact same style as them, uh, just less explosive, I mean, I think it's, it's honestly the perfect matchup. It's the only team in the AFC they had any shot of beating um, this weekend. So they better be happy that's who they played. So I, I just think they, they play the week to the team. If this game's in Kansas City, I'm telling you the exact same opposite thing. Um, but at home, um, with that defense rolling, I think their playmakers that they have, um, Hopkins mainly, make just enough plays to get it done. All right. Hold on for a second. I'm going to bring you back uh, for another matchup. All right, Ronnie, why will the Chiefs beat the Texans? Uh, the Chiefs beat the Texans, hypothetically. That's a, kind of a toss-up. Hypothetically, the Chiefs beat the Texans because Texans because has a very and he's a big game type quarterback, and they make some plays. And I'm, I've never been 100% sold on Houston secondary, even though they've gotten better. Um, they're going to have to find a way to neutralize J.J. Watt, double team, whatever. Even though Merlis and Clowney are playing better. Uh, and on the defensive side of the ball, going to have to almost play perfect football and create some turnovers. I think they have an advantage over Houston's uh, offense when you have Hoyer starting, who's mediocre. The running game has gotten on track lately, but I'm not uh, not that big on it. And then you got Hopkins. You're going to have to bracket coverage. You're going to double him. You're going to triple him. you got to do whatever. But if you can shut out Hopkins and you make Hoyer beat you, you've got a shot. And Alex Smith does, as he always seems to do, till the playoffs anyway, uh, make uh, just enough plays to win. All right. Um, I think I think I picked the Chiefs on the last podcast I did with Chris. I can't remember because he had me analyzing uh, both teams, and I probably talked myself out of my picks by the time I got to the other team because <laughs> of the pros and cons. But um, I'm going to run with Corey's logic on that and say the Texans win. Hold on, I'm going to bring you back for another one. Just uh, give me a second. Let's see here. Kali, are you there? Yeah, man. 
All right, Kali, why will the Pittsburgh Steelers beat the Bengals? Wow. Um, this is a tough one. This is a division rivalry. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers will beat the Cincinnati Bengals because Antonio Brown is a monster. Mar- Martavis Bryant is a monster. I think the Pittsburgh Steelers' offense is going to play very well in a good, well, a really great matchup. But I think their defense is going to do good enough against the AJ. Um, what the heck is his name now? I'm sorry. Uh, AJ McCarron. Yeah. AJ McCarron. Okay, I couldn't remember. I'm getting my backup quarterbacks mixed up. AJ McCarron <laughs> to to pull this one out. But I do think it's going to be a pretty daggone good game. And um, but I do. I think Ben Roethlisberger's experience in the postseason, along with the the hotness that is Antonio Brown and um, that Steelers offense and the inconsistencies that the Bengals offense, I think, will be subjected to in the playoffs, I think the Steelers pull this one out. Okay. All right. Um, I'm going to put you on hold. I'll bring you back in a second. All right, Ronnie, why will the Steelers not beat the Bengals? Ben Roethlisberger, I believe he has four in his uh, – I don't, I, I don't know the exact numbers. I'm not going to say it. But Ben Roethlisberger, when I've been seeing him play as late, he's been sloppy, been quite a few turnovers the last couple of games. You see that Baltimore Ravens game, and they really didn't dominate the Browns. It was like a slow beat down. Mm-hmm. They haven't looked that great since the Denver game, and that was only the second half. They are explosive. I could see Cincinnati with their weapons. Gosh, somehow Andy Dalton can get in there and play. I think he's going to be available to do some magic, even though he's got a broken wrist or whatever. I could see that happening. I could see a lot of mistakes just happening. I believe D'Angelo, I don't uh, know about the status of D'Angelo Williams, but uh, is he out? Do you know? Uh, he He was in a boot. And I think he, I think they expect him to play. I actually didn't even factor that in earlier okay. today. But yeah, he's not, so he's not showing up. As, uh... Go ahead. Yeah, if he can't go, like I mean, I think he's critical to not making them one-dimensional. Instead of the passing attack as they are, you have to still be kept honest by the running. And I like that we're all roster with the playmakers, but it's gonna be a tough one. And I think if Dalton was healthy. Cincinnati's better, but obviously with AJ, and I don't take anything away from AJ. He hasn't been that bad, but uh, you know, is AJ Green against Ben Roethlisberger? Who would you go with? <laughs> Man, you're supposed to be arguing that the Steelers are not gonna win. <laughs> I did, but, uh, but I had to tell but yeah, I, I ain't gonna, yeah, I'm not gonna lie. That was that was the exact same logic I used too. I was like, man, I don't, I'm not betting against uh, Ben Roethlisberger in a, in a playoff game, man. Like it's just. The guy's done it before. Even if he's sloppy, he somehow finds a way to look really good in the postseason. So uh, I, I've seen enough of A.J. McCarron to, to not be that confident in him uh, to lead this team. But but you still have to play the game. Uh, maybe he shows out, but um, I'm, I'm not that confident in it. Uh, give me a second, and I'll bring you back uh, for the next game. 
All right, Corey, are you there? Yeah, I'm still here. All right, just because I know you have a vendetta against Teddy Bridgewater, why will the Minnesota Vikings beat the Seahawks? <laughs> why are you being funny, man? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's really, really cold outside, and Russell Wilson kind of soft, so maybe the cold will affect him. Um, now, realistically, let me try to do this. Um Seattle could be – they do have Lynch back, um, so that may affect some continuity. They've been really, really good um, with Russell Wilson being the guy. Um, I feel like there may be some pressure to go back to a smash-mouth game, especially um, in a cold situation um, on the road. And quite frankly, I think that um, that is why the offense wasn't throbbing this year because they, they couldn't run the ball because they don't have a really good run-blocking offense. I think Lynch is still Lynch, but they were doing too much um, early in the season with trying to incorporate Jimmy Graham, trying to run the football, um, and I I could see them with all the stuff that happened last year getting caught up with trying to feed Marshawn, even though he'll probably be on a snap count. I still think they'll go out of their way to try to get that man the ball. Um, Minnesota has Adrian Peterson. Um, (laughs) Seattle's still really good at stopping the run um, but they haven't been as you can run on them more than years past so Mm -hmm. at the end of the day you have Adrian Peterson you can run on them Dallas ran on them last year they've been run on a couple times this year Um, maybe it's a cold night and Adrian Peterson just has 30 carries for 140 yards and Minnesota's defense plays really well, and 17 points is enough to get it done. Um, Seattle hasn't been known to turn the ball over. That's why they beat the Seahawks, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, I'm going to put you on hold. I'll bring you back for the next game. All right, Kyle, you've been on hold for a little while. I'm sorry, buddy. Um, why do the Seattle Seahawks beat the Minnesota Vikings? Um, Well, as we all know, Seattle's been on a roll late in the season. They're hot at the right time. Russell Wilson has been balling. Um, I think those receivers have been benefiting from his play, but they're getting, you know, they're aging with him. They're, they're, they're getting better with him. And uh, I think Lynch just adds – that much more. I do think he's going to be on the snap count, but uh, I think he's going to add an even more spark. I don't think it's going to hinder them at all, and I think the team is going to feed from that. Um, negative 28, you know, kickoff, both teams suffer from that. Uh, Minnesota's a team that's played indoors for years, but uh, I'm not going to even add factor that in, but I I think that uh, Minnie's going to have to get up early to to, to win this, but I think it's going to be Seattle, and I think Seattle's going to get up, and they're going to pound the ball. They're going to have their big plays, and I think uh, Teddy Bridgewater, as much as I like him, I think he's going to get a little flustered in the playoff game, and I foresee uh, Adrian Peterson maybe uh, dropping a couple little fumble rooskies on the ground due to the cold. All right. That's um, sort of sound uh logic right there. AP does fumble every now and then, um, and it sometimes happens in games when it's close, so keep an eye on that. 
Uh, hold on, because I know you're going to have an opinion on this last game. All right, Ronnie. Um, why do why do the I'm trying to figure out. How'd your brother do Minnesota? I have you do the the Seahawks. Man. Why do the Seahawks beat the Vikings? Didn't Mark just do that? Yeah, he did, but I I just want to hear your opinion as well. Is that okay? <laughs> No, no. Uh, I think the Seahawks beat the Vikings because they are just better. I I don't think they blow them out. Last game, they were missing their three best defensive players, basically. It'll be much closer, but you have have teams that kind of, until Russell Wilson broke up, were shaped in the same image, running game, uh, game manager, quarterback. So Teddy Bridgewater, not that he can ever be this, is like Russell Wilson – rookie year, second year, whatever. And you look at Teddy, if the Seattle, when they haven't beaten it, they, it's been because of the run in the past, not necessarily this year. But this year they've been really good at stopping the run. So you have Teddy to beat with a relatively weak arm and a bad line trying to do five and seven drops so they don't have any kind of passing game in Minnesota against a really good secondary that's still pretty darn good, um, not as good as they've been in the past. And so it's just a bad matchup. They're not going to be able to run the ball, and Teddy couldn't beat him on a sunny day, much less a cold day, where the guys got to wear gloves to even throw the daggone football. All right. Um, I'm going to bring all three of you back for this last game because um, I know all three of you have an opinion. Packers versus the Redskins. Corey, we'll start with you. Give me your winners and why they win. Um. I I go back and forth on this one. Obviously, um, the Redskins are playing a lot better football. Um, I think they're top to bottom the better football team. Um, They've been flawless at home. Um, I think that they have better continuity. But... I'm not. There, there's just no way in the world you're going to get me to pick Kirk Cousins over Aaron Rodgers in a playoff game. I don't care if it's played in Washington. I don't care if it's played on the moon. I don't care if it's played on a basketball court, a badminton court. I'm not picking Kirk Cousins over Aaron Rodgers in a playoff game. I looked at it again, and I said I really don't care. At the end of the day, Green Bay has not played well this year. They still won 10 games. They're still Aaron Rodgers is still there. Washington's secondary is terrible. I'm pretty sure they're playing Kerry Williams in the secondary. So even the sorry Packers receivers can get this, uh, separation with Kerry Williams. I got I got Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I'm not even going to say I got the Packers. I got Aaron Rodgers winning that football game. End of story. All right, Kali, what's your take? <laughs> Um, kind of, kind of feel the same way about the quarterback situation. But I think what I have to say for the Packers is they have a whole list of injuries, and most of it is their offensive line. Sam Shields has a concussion on defense. I mean, these guys are beat the crap, and AR12 has been trying to do it on his own. That's why he's dancing around in the pocket like a river dancer. And um, I, I it is I agree with Corey. 
it, I'm not going to pick Cousins over AR-12, but as a team, the Redskins are hot, they're at home, and the Packers look like garbage. AR, Aaron Rodgers is going to have to do a complete flip, and some, they're going to have to figure out how to block. And I know the Redskins aren't coming with a whole lot of fire, but they haven't been able to protect the guy at all. I mean, he's he's just running for his life. He's dancing. He's tossing. You know, I, I don't know. I The Redskins secondary is garbage, but I'm still – I'm picking Redskins over the Packers in this one. Okay. Um, Ronnie, you had an opinion uh, about the flawless comment. Uh, what's your take on this game? Uh, it's tough because you got a team that's looking like, like both people have said, team is not looking good in the Packers. I've been saying they're garbage all year long. Um, and then you have a really hot Redskins team that's been beating bad teams, but I think you build them. I think you build confidence for that from that. And I'm picking the Redskins because that's just what my eyes say. Uh, my brother makes a very interesting argument about Aaron Rodgers, but honestly, and and, and again, you, he's having faith in Aaron Rodgers. It, it's faith. It's not well. It's based on past evidence, but nothing he's seen this year. So I, I'm agreeing with that, and hoping Aaron Rodgers does what my brother says he's doing. But honestly, Kirk Cousins has had a better season than Aaron Rodgers. And as scary as that is to say, people are making excuses for Aaron Rodgers. And because half the time when that protection is breaking down, it's because he's holding the ball for six seconds. And he won't throw with any kind of anticipation to his receivers. And I've seen people do all 22 breakdowns, and they ignore a receiver that's about to break, and Aaron won't throw to him. Or he won't throw to a short pass because he wants to make something happen. So he's trying to do too much. And it because the receivers aren't perfect, they do have trouble getting open. But unless the Packers just change what they're gonna do as far as running the routes and and doing some stacks and things like that, I, I, I have a hard time seeing how they're gonna beat the Redskins offense outside of Aaron just working some magic. Yeah, I, the the thing is, is, is there, we have seen Rogers do things this year, just not against elite defenses. And and that's where the Redskins don't fall into to play. I mean, we've seen him struggle against the Arizonas of the world, the Denvers of the world, but we've also seen Aaron Rodgers tearing up against defenses that are suspect. I've seen him tearing up against the Lions. Even saw him tear up Carolina. So I can't say that he's not doing it at all this year, and I haven't seen any evidence. I haven't seen any evidence when there's a step up and a level of competition for the defense, but we've still seen Aaron Rodgers be Aaron Rodgers against the lower level that was like competition six weeks of the ago Talking about that what do you mean? Weeks ago. I mean, he yeah, yeah man, it was a month ago. And Carolina was six weeks ago. He played well against Dallas. He played what? well against Detroit. He played well against Dallas. He played well against Detroit. Like he's played well against bad defenses. You're talking about the Arizona game. Well, what game did he play bad then? Arizona. Minnesota, very good defense. It just happened. Minnesota's a very good Was that a good game? Minnesota's a very good defense. What do you mean? You just finished Minnesota's a a pretty solid defense. I don't I don't know if they're if I would say they're very good just yet, but I think they're solid. And he and he didn't play bad. Aaron Rodgers didn't play bad that game. I'm just saying we've seen him struggle didn't play great. We've seen him struggle against elite defenses. When there are porous defenses, he's played pretty well. And the Redskins are a porous defense. I'm just saying there is evidence to suggest 
that he has a good game against some poor defense. He was shut out in the first half against Minnesota. Uh, Whatever their favorite is, Detroit. Detroit, they still put up 27 points. He still sucked against Chicago. Chicago. They're not good. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, um... I'm gonna um I'm gonna bring this back hopefully uh next week so we can discuss um again um who we think is gonna win the next round in the playoffs. But um it's I think that um I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, of course I'm trying to say is relax. Relax. Um just before we leave though um what do you guys who do you guys think uh, is the the most entertaining game this weekend? What what game do you think will be the most entertaining? Mm. Um, I mean, I'm most excited and tuning into uh, Pittsburgh Cincinnati. I mean, I want to see that game. I'm not sure it's the most exciting game. I'm not sure there is an exciting game. A little bit too much defense for my preference all this entire weekend. Um, but I'm. <laughs> I'm tuning in to Steelers, Bengals, nasty. They were fighting before. Everyone thinks Steelers are going to win. Um, I personally like the Bengals at home. I think Steelers' secondary is as poor as you can possibly get with being in the playoffs. So I want to see what McCarron does against a really crappy secondary. He even hit some big plays when he came in when he thought he was probably just texting his, his uh, fiance on the sideline had no clue he getting in. He still made big plays against that uh, defense because it sucks. So um, I think with some time under his belt, I think he can he can put up 27, 24, 27 points, kind of rip through that sorry secondary. So I'm really interested in that game. I think it will be the most high scoring of the weekend personally. Yeah, I don't think that's going to be a defensive move. Um, I think I'm, I'm probably I'm torn between that game and uh, Seattle because Seattle's hot right now. And I, but I really, I really want to see how Teddy Teddy does because I like I like Teddy B a lot, a lot, and I kind of I kind of want to see him step it up and do, and do some stuff in the playoffs. I think it would be great for the league, and great for that team. But uh, I'm probably going to roll with. Uh, the Bengals, Pittsburgh as well, and I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. Ronnie, uh, I think just for the age, what would be what's the bad is what I think a lot of times, and that's the Redskins game. Even though I'm, I'm pretty intrigued because you got Rogers not looking good, and then you got a really hot Redskins team that hasn't been there in a while, and I think there are a lot of storylines there that just are interesting, and then the reaction to see if. Redskins fans jump off the building. Well, hell, they're dumb enough to jump off the building either way. Um, <laughs> if they win or they lose, they might jump off the building. So um, that game, and then other games are always kind of cool it, just to look at the reaction. They usually suck as a actual game, but the atmosphere of the game is really cool. And as an old guy, at heart anyway, it reminds me of the NFL film stuff when you would see the old Green Bay Packers stuff and – uh, NFL films with the, the, the guy with the deep voice talking about the bowl. So that that would be a good thing of nostalgia, too. I have very little interest in uh, Cincinnati and Pittsburgh and have almost no interest in Houston and Kansas City. I think, I think Houston and Kansas City is going to be the uh, 
the most exciting game just because I can't remember the last time Alex Smith was in a playoff game that wasn't at least entertaining. Um, and he, he's actually been in enough that I can say that. <laughs> um, but uh, I think it's going to be uh, one of those – it can either go back and forth or it can be uh, a borderline high-scoring game or, or a late drive or something dramatic. I just I just feel like it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a dramatic game. But uh, I'm I'm with Ronnie. I don't really have any interest in seeing the Steelers and Bengals, even if they do get to scrapping. <laughs> but um, I appreciate you guys calling in. I'm going to bring you back um, for a uh, recap, hopefully, uh, next week. Or either um, we can talk about the games that are going to be coming on in the next round as well. Okay? Sounds good, my man. All right, cool. You guys have a good night. You too, bro. That was just a couple guys from the group uh, talking about uh, some of the NFL action. We covered the coaching uh, situations. Um, some of the guys are moving. Some of the guys are uh, staying. And what we did get, what we didn't get into was uh, Chuck Pagano's extension and uh, Sean uh, Sean Payton's availability. Um, I forgot to cover those two things. Um, the Pagano extension is kind of interesting. Uh, because uh, all indications suggested that Pagano was going to get fired. I just actually saw a uh, um, tweet that they're keeping their offensive coordinator as well. Um, I would keep an eye on that. Um, I don't know the stipulations behind Pagano's uh, extension. I know it's for four years. But um, I think the Colts are in a kind of a uh, limbo. Um, Andrew Luck didn't have a good year at all. It was a lot of injury-prone uh, stuff going on with him. Whether he comes back next year strong will uh, probably de- will probably decide how long Pagano stays. Um, the vibe I got in some of the reports was that the, the players like Pagano, but the, the front office and hearsay and the general manager. Um, and then also Pagano, once again, is another coach that's having a little bit of an issue with his general manager. Um, so like Ronnie said, they, people are just going to have to work on it. Um, but I'm going to keep an eye out, see if that business model changes uh, in, the, in the next coming season where you see more coaches get more um, control and say-so in who they're who they're um, trying to get on their team and who they don't want on their team. Um, Chip Kelly obviously kind of jacked that up for new coaches, but some of these coaches who have been in the league a little bit, see if they can kind of get, get some more power. Uh, Sean Payton was a hot name. Uh, the Saints wanted a second-round pick for him. Um, you don't hear about coaches necessarily getting traded for often, but it has happened, and it has been successful uh, for the people who made the trade, I think. Um, I didn't look it up, but I'm pretty sure there was one famous coach uh, who was traded for. I might have even been Belichick. I can't even remember, but don't hold me on that. I would have to look it up and research it just because, like I said, it's just something that doesn't happen often. Um, but... Um, Keep an eye out on him. Jerry Jones was uh, reported uh, as being interested. We know Jerry can make things happen. Um, he, he wants to make a splash. Uh, the fan base is not happy with Jason Garrett. Uh, some of the players don't seem happy with Jason Garrett. So um, it'll be interesting. I think the Cowboys will be one of the more interesting teams next year because they're in a good situation to to um, not only be productive because they still got their aging core, but they can also um, – get some really good talent behind those aging uh, vets because they've got such a high draft pick. 
So um, their season wasn't necessarily all a loss. So um, I would keep an eye on that organization and uh, their coaching situation. Uh, going into the playoffs, uh, I just want I just want good games. Um, the NFL has been plagued by poor officiating. I'm I'm gonna pray that it doesn't pop up in the playoffs. Um, we've we've seen some some really weird stuff. Uh, last year was the Daz Bryant catch or no catch, and that comes up at least every three weeks. Um, just poor officiating all the way through. Um, so I'm hoping that uh, they can get it straight. Uh, for the postseason, and then um, I just want to see good competitive games. My team isn't in the playoffs, so I just I don't have a favorite. I will say that I think the Seahawks, if they can beat the Elements and get past Minnesota, are probably the most dangerous team in the postseason. Even though the Panthers, by record, are the best team in the postseason, I think if they see if they see Seattle again. Um, it'll be a different outcome, whether it's home or away. Obviously, the Panthers have home field advantage, but I, I'm going to go ahead and say I don't think it really matters where they play Seattle at. Um, this new dimension of Seattle and their passing attack, if they can get the play calling down um, and find that balance, they're going to be extremely dangerous, extremely dangerous. So um, keep an eye out on those guys as well. I wouldn't be surprised if they, if they get it right this year. Um, we didn't cover um, any of the – teams who are on the bye week, I'll make sure that we cover those guys next week. I'm glad you guys are listening in. Um, If you have any questions or you want me to cover something or you just want to argue with me about a point that I made, uh, you can find me on my Facebook or you can find me on Icon Acoustically Bombastic Sports in that group, IBS. uh, Just tag me and I'll respond. Thank you guys for listening. This is IBS Jesus and this has been IBS After Dark.